This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me as always, this time on a Monday, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing? I'm well. Um, I guess I didn't think about the fact that we're a little bit off schedule here. Um, of course, the holidays coming up and staff were trying to plan both a podcast life and a regular life so we can enjoy our holiday week um, coming up here. I can't believe it's almost Thanksgiving. Yeah, it is pretty hard to believe. Uh, I'm looking forward to not having to edit immediately following tonight's recording. (laughs) And now to you, Katie, for the weather update. (laughs) Uh, Cold. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's good. We had a beautiful fall this year. It was short, but it was beautiful. And now all of our color is gone, which means it's going to be six months of cold. So looking forward to that. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, Katie. I checked before uh, getting on tonight, and we've got you beat by about... 14 degrees it is 34 degrees where i live right now Mm. uh the temperature dropped midday today and it is pretty freezing (laughs) you guys definitely win i don't know what's going on but texas is quite chilly right now (laughs) yeah anyways we got lots to talk about so introduction stuff we did get an email from william just earlier today haven't responded to you yet william but we appreciate the contact and you will be hearing back from us thanks to everyone who always emails us we love that extra special contact and also a couple of facebook messages from both avi avi sorry (laughs) and amy so thank you both for reaching out um got a couple of thoughts on the upcoming season and some stuff from the past so thank you both And we don't normally plug this. It's in the show notes every week, but I just thought it'd be fun to mention that we still have a P.O. box. If you just felt the desire to just like write a letter, that would be really cool. That's all we would ask for. We don't want anything else except just to to hear from you. Like it'd it'd be cool to get a handwritten letter. Uh, We sent out letters and stickers to our patrons uh, earlier this year. We'll have to do that again now that we've gotten some new patrons on Patreon. But yeah, our P.O. box is to either me, Chad Hopkins, or to an American workplace. It is P.O. box number 852134, and it's Mesquite, Texas 75185. And as I said, that is in the show notes every single week. So you can just check your podcast player. And if you feel so compelled, we'd love to see a letter from you. And I'll see it. I won't see the physical copy because, of course, Chad has the P.O. box uh, (laughs) as he's in Texas. But he'll, of course relay everything to me so i'd love i'd love yeah. to see it as well i'll consider it at least yeah if he's feeling <laughs> generous that day <laughs> well let's go ahead and hop into our episode our first episode is body language we are nearing the end of season six everybody it aired on april 27th of 2010 was directed by mindy kaling and written by justin spitzer michael has invited donna the manager from sid and dexter's from happy hour to the office to potentially buy some printers. He's convinced that she's very interested in him, and nearly the entire office is convinced that she's not. So Michael, of course, spends the whole day trying to woo her. Meanwhile, Gabe is recruiting for Sabre's Minority Executive Training Program, and Dwight has taken a distinct interest in who gets chosen. So last week's episode was really long. Part of that was because it had been a couple weeks since we recorded. I think we were just talkative, but also because there were like A plot, B plot, C plot in each of those episodes to a certain extent. Thankfully for at least this one, we just have an A plot and we have a B plot. So it's very simple, really easy to follow, and we'll hopefully 
not be too brief, but won't be <laughs> 90 minutes worth of conversation. Uh, I think that's all I needed to say, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we can move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll talk about it a bit. So Michael, he sort of leads us to believe right off the bat that he and Donna, as we now know her name is, been dating these past couple weeks. It's been two weeks or a few weeks since since happy hour. And he says they're in the midst of a passionate love affair, which is a little bit of foreshadowing. We'll get to that. But it, it's just I, I sort of forgot how things happen. And so for a second, I thought, oh, maybe they are dating. But then it becomes clear pretty quickly. No, that's just what Michael wants to be the case. He's trying to puppeteer that to be the case. And so he has invited Donna to the office in order to be around her under the presumption of business. Right. And the audience is kind of left guessing along with the rest of the office. Um, what exactly is she thinking? Because Michael's intentions are very clear. Donna's not so much. I mean, she's either interested or she's just a flirty person or she's just friendly. She's wearing kind of a revealing top. Well, maybe that's just her personality and she works in the nightlife industry. So that's, you know, kind of more appropriate for that lifestyle. And Michael's just kind of very confused. Everyone else is even more confused. And it leads to the whole day of just, will she, won't she? If this is to blossom into a relationship, it's very different than the last couple he's had. Uh, first with Holly and then with Helene, Pam's mom. Those were very respectful and kind of normal relationships for the most part. Whereas here, when she walks in the door, and again, they are not dating. It's just what he is wanting the outcome of this to be. He greets her with a joke about someone hiring a hooker. Like, you're obviously very attractive. So it's, it's a compliment when I say you look like a hooker. And thankfully, she sort of takes it in stride and doesn't just automatically leave. But Michael's approach to this woman in particular, maybe because of the way she looks, especially compared to Holly and to Helene, uh, is very, very different and very stepping backward for Michael in his interactions with women. Jim and Pam are originally put in charge of the sales pitch, which is sort of just a ruse, but maybe it's not. Maybe she wants to buy some printers. So Jim and Pam are put in charge of the sales pitch. Michael interrupts time and time again with um, different problems. So first, it's a, quote, time-sensitive problem. Does Donna shop at Victoria's Secret? Because he's been getting catalogs from the previous tenant of his unit, and there's a sale. She might want the catalog. So time-sensitive. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's exactly what happened. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So first, he's just butting into this meeting because he wants to talk to her. And second, Victoria's Secret. Like, okay, we get it. He's just, he's being pretty obvious and making at least Jim and Pam uncomfortable. If Donna is interested, maybe she's not. But if she's not interested on the off chance here that or not even the off chance, on the very po real possibility that she's just trying to conduct business. This would put her in a very uncomfortable position. Michael seems to have this idea that he can't just like win her over by honest means. He needs to seduce her subliminally. He's prepared this sort of slideshow of pictures to, quote, display the vivid colors the printer can produce. But it's pictures that show off like his eye color. He says, those are Shrek green eyes. Or his teeth. He says, I think this displays the crisp dazzling white he, he's complimenting himself without just complimenting himself 
And then there's other various pictures of just like attractive shirtless men and then him standing or smiling in quiet places. And he has this talking head where he says, you know, I show her a picture that turns her on and then she looks at me. Then she looks back at the picture and so on. And eventually she doesn't know what is me or what is the image. She just knows that she's turned on. And then even at the end of the presentation, he has the word sex briefly flash across the screen. Not subtle at all. It's not like a super quick flash. It's like you you have the time to read it and then it's gone. And she sees it, but for some reason she doesn't acknowledge it. It's really hard to read Donna because, again, you don't know exactly what her motives are. Is she interested in Michael? Why is she not just leaving? A question I don't want to get into too much because it does have to do with my discussion topic. But where do they stand here? Like, what, what, what is the outcome that she's hoping for? I feel like in her position, looking the way she looks and being kind of a flirtatious person, she's probably used to a bit of this from people that she's trying to conduct business with. The question is, if A, she is not interested, at what point does this become inappropriate enough that she wants to leave? And B, if she is interested, like, why why play the game, you know? Just, right. just say that you're interested and, and why this charade. I don't quite know what she wants out of this, unless she just enjoys the cat and mouse, like, chase, mm-hmm. but, which is kind of what I'm thinking at this point. Skipping to Jim and Pam just a little bit. Obviously, Michael sort of botches their sale, but then Pam surprises us by encouraging Michael to continue to flirt and to feel things out. Jim doesn't really agree with it, but Pam says, you know, it's not that big a sale. People meet all sorts of ways. If she was really so upset, if Donna was really so upset, she wouldn't still be here. And Jim goes further to say that he thinks that she's just flirting to get discounts and it's working. Michael is like trying to argue the benefits, the merits of losing money to make financial sense, which Oscar insists. No, sometimes actually it makes more financial sense to get money rather than to lose it. Surprise. (laughs) But Pam argues it's not mutually exclusive to flirt to get what you want and to be actually attracted to someone. So Pam is putting this thought in Michael's head that, you know, I don't think it's impossible that she's maybe into you, so you got to try, which is a really weird position for Pam, but it's sort of something that continues into the next episode as well. This plan to kind of woo her gets, it, it, it escalates and escalates and escalates. And eventually it crosses a serious line. So it's the two of them in his office and he offers her a mint. She takes the mint container and asks him if he would like one as well. He does. So she puts one on her hand for him to take. And instead of taking it with his fingers, he takes it with his mouth, which I don't, I don't care if (laughs) you've been dating for, you know, months that's just not a normal response to that. Like, I, it's just the weirdest thing. He's not and, a dog. Um, he's not a dog. Just, ah, there's, there's, there's a way to flirt without being disgusting. And Michael hasn't found that line yet. And he's just, even if she was interested, I feel like at this point, that would just shut that down. And she kind of, I mean, she kind of backs off at that point and, and that's sort of the end of their day. So she's heading down to her car, and she seems officially uninterested. At this point, Michael is sort of conferring with the the younger guys of the office. So Jim, Andy, Oscar, 
and even Kevin, and all of them say it's over. Kevin says, yeah, you don't got a chance, bro. Like, I I would think if anybody in that group would encourage him to pursue this woman, it would be Kevin. And Kevin is saying no. But then Pam says, you know, it's highly unlikely that after those first two failed attempts that she's still into you or she was ever into you. But she says, again, it's not impossible. And that's that that tiny sliver of hope is all that Michael needs to make a fool of himself yet again. And as she's like actually leaving, he gets really close to her trying to kiss her. And she like backs into the blinds at the front of the office. And it's like, okay, this is getting awfully kind of, kind of rapey a little bit, Michael, this is a little bit too far, like more than a little bit too far at this point, the mint was already beyond too far before that when he first tried to kiss her in the conference room, that Mm -hmm. was too far. So like Michael is taking varying degrees of going too far in pursuing this woman and to end it with her like backed into a corner against blinds, trying to get away from him. If she wanted to, she could get a lot of money from suing this man for, uh, unwanted yeah harassment unwanted pursuit lots of things yeah so she's left michael then has a temporary moment of of course very temporary moment of okay it's it's over it's fine she okay let's move on until he finds a barrette that she left in the office so very hollywood rom-com moment of him he decides she has left this barrette for me to go find her and give it back. And there she will declare her love for me. So everyone, even Pam now at this point, is saying, Donna is not into you. They, they all watched her back away from his kiss and just look really skeeved out. Even Pam is saying, do not go. Just she doesn't want it. Leave it. Throw it away. So, of course, he goes down. And I want to know your thoughts on this. It seemed like she left a while before he found the barrette and went down to her car. Yeah, she definitely lingered in her vehicle for a few extra minutes. Whether that was to wait, I don't know. Or whether she was, like, looking at her phone or whatever it may have been. Um, Who knows? But Michael does end up bumping into her, taking the uh, baguette to her and he says you know i'm admitting defeat everyone told me that you weren't into me and i didn't believe it but they were right he's conceding i'm he's sort of apologizing without apologizing and then she reaches out says no you were right and he doesn't understand like what she's saying you were right you were right until she pulls him to the window and kisses him and it's not no little kiss it's like a, a kiss kiss and they pull apart. She apologizes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't need to apologize, Michael, for kissing him. Like you, you don't need to apologize to him. He, he is open and ready to go at it again. And so in at it again, he goes. And that's that. He returns to the office to do the telling now that he's done the kissing. And the, the way that she seemed to deny him in the office, coupled with the fact that he forgot to give Donna her barrette back, makes it seem like he's sort of making up the story for attention or as a coping mechanism. And so everybody just sort of ignores that 
that was even a possibility that she was there, that she forgave him, that she was interested or expressed interest in any way. Uh, but Michael knows, and that's all that matters to him. Yeah, he comes back up and uh, uh, says, I was right. We kissed. And everyone's like, oh, no, M- Michael, it's, it's okay. And he goes, no, I gave her back her barrette as he holds up the barrette. <laughs> and he, he kind of realizes, I, I did. And he gets kind of frustrated. <laughs> they, they pity him. It's like, oh, yeah, come on, let like, it go, Michael. Oh, it's, it's okay. Move on. <laughs> but sure enough, he was right all along. She was definitely into him. So we also had this uh, B-plot here with Print in All Colors, the Saber Minority Executive Training Program. Dwight doesn't want Daryl getting into print, of, print in All Colors. He would rather Kelly since Daryl has a higher chance of moving up the ladder. He thinks Daryl's smart. Daryl moved his way from warehouse to upstairs overnight, literally, or same day. He's got initiative. He's smart. He can move up the ladder. Uh, He thinks Kelly might not be as um, likely, (laughs) to say the very least. He calls her a malleable simpleton. He thinks he can (laughs) can flex control over Kelly, which he couldn't do over Daryl. Right. So Kelly getting this position would not be the worst thing in the world because it wouldn't really mean anything for her career. Daryl, not so much. So he starts coaching Kelly to Gabe's favor, but he soon realizes that with Kelly comes Ryan, and Ryan is not someone who he once put in a position of power again. For starters, let, let's just outline real quick what this minority executive training program involves because they tell us in this episode. Uh, there would be weekly conference calls with corporate executives. There's a two-week training program at Yale, and you would be higher in the line for advancement opportunities. And so that's ultimately what Dwight is fearing with Daryl is because he's already climbing the ladder, and this would just put him that much further. And he's already in a grumpy mood because Michael asked Jim and Pam to pitch to Donna rather than him even though he has a better sales record. So Dwight is just tired of people passing him by. And it, it is Kelly, even if she does pass him by, he thinks that he can sort of influence some control over her. Ryan has trained Kelly now to sort of basically get offended into the program, turning questions back yeah. on the interview interviewer, which in this case is Gabe, saying, would you ask that same question if I was white? Which is ridiculous because the whole program is based on you not being white. So no, probably the question would not be asked if you were white. But that's beside the point. Kelly says that when she becomes executive, when she becomes executive, uh, she's making some assumptions, but still, she's going to make Ryan the manager. So that's once again, somebody who Dwight can't exert control over getting ahead of him. And Ryan is probably lower on his list than Daryl, to be honest. Uh, so he tries to disqualify Kelly on a technicality saying that, you know, because the, the program is not open to quote Caucasians and anthropologically Kelly is Indian and Indians migrated from the Caucasus region of Europe. She's not eligible. (laughs) Gabe responds, but she's not white though. (laughs) Like that, that's, that's it. (laughs) Well, no, she's kind of a a brownish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately for Dwight, All this effort to get Kelly disqualified doesn't even matter because Daryl withdrew his application because the dates interfered with his softball league. Uh, So Kelly's the only applicant. And then at that point, Dwight tries hard to find somebody else. I I love Kelly's whole, 
transformation in this episode from Kelly Kapoor, who we we know and you know tolerate, to um, <laughs> to the Kelly Rajnaganda Kapoor who wears saris and uh, goes by Kelly Rajnaganda Kapoor mm-hmm. as if she always has, and now her ethnicity is extremely important to her. When in the past, it it really didn't seem to be. And ending that storyline, Kelly is chosen as the minority executive for the program. And that's that. And let's go ahead and go into funny stuff. So how about you start us with the cold open? So (laughs) Michael is going on vacation next week in Cancun. So he's speaking Spanish. He's on a kick of learning Spanish. So he asks Aaron to only speak to him in Spanish around the office, which keep in mind, not long ago, she didn't know what Andy said when he said hola. True. So Spanish has come a ways for her, which is nice. <laughs> Michael greets Jim in Spanish, and Jim speaks enough to confuse Michael. Michael then switches to Dwight, buenos dias Dwight, and Dwight replies in German because he's Dwight. Uh, he then has a talking head where he says he has it on good authority that in 20 years, everyone will be speaking German or a Chinese-German hybrid. <laughs> Michael enlists Oscar's help to learn Spanish, which is probably the most, you know, practical choice. Michael is having a hard time with the gender part of Spanish. So Oscar suggests that Michael mark everything with the international symbols for gender. (laughs) Michael confuses that for genitalia. So he draws genitals on sticky notes and places them all over his office. (laughs) Um, And then I think my favorite part of this cold open is when Angelo walks in. He says, oh, Angelo, of course, confusing the gender of her name. She corrects him, and he places a sticky note with boobs on her forehead. <laughs> and she, she takes it off and looks at it and is disgusted. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I think my favorite part is the very beginning when he walks in, he greets Aaron, uh, and he then has a talking head where he says, you know, I think everyone in America should learn Spanish because they are our neighbors to the south and it would be a healing thing for all of North America. And you sort of start to think, wow, that is very mature of you, Michael, like to, to sort of get the office in on this initiative to, I don't know, be open to people of all ethnicities, blah, blah, blah. But then he says, and... I am going on vacation next week to Cancun. So yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's why. Like, screw that there other stuff. Is. You don't believe any of that other stuff. You're just going to Cancun and want to be able to find your way around. Yeah. I mentioned most of my Michael funny moments earlier, uh, pretty much all of them, but one last one, and it's actually the last line of the episode, where, as I mentioned, Michael takes satisfaction in knowing that he kissed Donna, even if nobody else believes him. And he says, you know what? It doesn't matter because I know what happened. And that is all that counts. Brief pause. And then he shouts to the rest of the office. I did do it. (laughs) So apparently it does matter at least a little bit that they believe him. (laughs) There is a moment introduced by Michael anyway, where Michael jokingly introduces Jim and Pam as the wonder twins to Donna. Pam corrects him. She says, we're actually married, not brother and sister. Donna says, mm, I have a sense about these things, and she's pretty sure that they have some ancestor in common. Angela says, you should see their baby. And Pam just sort of no. looks back like, what are you talking about? See our baby. <laughs> Donna has a talking head where she says, uh, in reference to Michael's advances on her, was it professional? No, but I work in the nightlife industry. I get hit on all the time. In my 20s, it would have been annoying. In my late 20s, 
I find it really flattering. I just wrote, as if you're in your late 20s. There's no way. <laughs> like, you are very attractive, but you're not in your late 20s. That is Early 40s? Yeah, maybe? early 40s. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's ballpark around yeah. Michael's age. <sighs> Dwight, with the prints in all colors, is interested in applying himself. He says that he is a minority, more than Kelly, even. He says, glasses wearers, cholera survivors, <laughs> geniuses non-organic family farmers the list goes on and on you want me to keep going so we learned he survived cholera yeah which is surprising and he also fancies himself a genius so and i I wonder why i mean what he means by non-organic farmer like what what does that process entail i mean he's growing beets so but specifically non-organically yeah i don't think that's Hmm. in the minority since you don't find things in the grocery store labeled not organic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like When he first approaches Kelly to get her to sign up for this program, uh, Dwight says, or Kelly's on the phone with somebody and she's irritated because she ordered a certain size and she doesn't think she got what she ordered because she's been a four all, is it a four? She's been a four all her life. And Dwight, after she's hung up, says, white people, right? <laughs> Kelly just says, I don't know if she was white. Dwight says, you can kind of tell by the voice. And she goes, yeah, I guess. And he says, I bet you get pulled over by the cops a lot just because of your race. She says, well, they say it's because of texting, but maybe you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And then Dwight goes on and says, "You, you could be the Indian Bill Gates or you could be the Indian Ted Turner. And both of those men are highly successful businessmen. Kelly says, I could be the Indian Julia Roberts. (laughs) And Dwight just says, that's not, she's, okay, yes. He he just wants her on his side. So yes, if you want to be the Indian Julia Roberts, fine. Even though that's not what I'm going for here. I think that means more to her than being the Indian Bill Gates. Yeah. I don't know why I love this little line, both from... Phyllis and from Creed here, the office is spying on Michael and Donna. And Phyllis says, you don't know that some people can't help oozing sexuality. <laughs> Creed says, you ever notice that you can ooze two things, sexuality and pus? <laughs> <laughs> Which is just the most ridiculous. <laughs> like, we, we saw from Creed and um, it's, it's almost always just kind of graphic, including this yeah. time. It's always a gem like that, though. Like, it's graphic, yes. but yeah. Thank but you, yeah, Creed, you for gotta say it. bestowing that upon us. <laughs> when it's revealed that Ryan is trying to take his hand at puppeteering Kelly, Dwight has a talking head in response that says, Kelly will be even worse than Daryl. If you'd have told me this morning that today I'd be creating a monster capable of my own destruction, I'd have thought you were referring to the bull Mose and I are trying to reanimate. <laughs> So Dwight was aware that there was a monster that he was potentially creating that would end with his own destruction. He just didn't think it would be Kelly. He thought it'd be this other side project. (laughs) But either way, it'll end in destruction. Right. (laughs) As I said before, Kelly is now completely transformed. Uh, When Gabe asks about what she likes to do for fun, she says, well, for hobbies, um, yoga, belly dancing, snake charming. Beds of nails. I like lying on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's just completely turned into this false 
version of her herself. Um, I put her as like the super Indian. Like she's just, that's all that's in her, her entire identity now. Um, which again, it never was before. Yeah. She even has the, the bindi, which is the mm-hmm. red dot between her eyebrows. Gabe says, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but I am curious what it means. And it's clear she doesn't know. So she responds with, I do find that offensive actually. And <laughs> funnily enough, the bindi, at least just according to my like brief research is most commonly associated with married women, uh, though it sometimes has other significance as well. So really, Kelly shouldn't be wearing it in any right. case. It's just, it looks Indian, and so it she, she sees it as boosting her case. And again, just being offended by Gabe's questions to, right. to, to get offended into the program. Yeah, that's exactly right. As alternatives to Kelly... Dwight approaches the other two minorities in the office who aren't Daryl or Kelly, and that's Oscar and it's Stanley. Uh, Stanley says, you know, I think it's overrated. He, he doesn't, he has no interest in this whole, everybody's a part of the rainbow thing. He says, I'll hit you in the face with the rainbow. Who cares? And the, Dwight says to Oscar, well, you're sort of a, a double minority. And he turns to the camera, gay. <laughs> and obviously he's Hispanic as well. And uh, Oscar makes it clear that he just doesn't want to cross Kelly. <laughs> like, I don't want to be on her bad side. So then Dwight eventually comes up with Hide from the warehouse, who we met back in happy hour. And Hide sits down to interview with Gabe, and he starts to he starts the same speech that he gave us at Sid and Dexter's in uh, that episode. In Japan, Hata Sajin, number one, steady hand. <laughs> and that's where it cuts off. But you, you're... Per- you expect that he's about to give Gabe the whole speech, which is great. Oh, I guess something that we should have mentioned in the main episode discussion is that when Kelly gets hired, isn't the right word, but like chosen for this program, she kind of threatens Dwight. She goes up to thank him officially. She gives mm-hmm. him a hug and she says, I'll never forget anything that you've done for me ever. Or she says, cause I never forget anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, the way that she phrases it and just the way that she says it is a very clear, like, I know what you were doing and I'm not going to forget it when I'm on top, which is just okay. Like you, she's kind of the person that you don't expect to know what goes on behind the scenes, but here she, she did. Um, right. She, apparently there's going to be a bit of something to watch for her. Yeah. Dwight recognizes the threat and gets a sort of look of panic and it cuts to a talking head with him. He says, just once I would like to be a puppet master and have nothing go wrong. Is that too much to ask? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you try to control other people's lives, I mean, that's the way it goes. They get wrapped up. So when Dwight is approaching Stanley and Oscar about joining the program to oppose Kelly, uh, what's really funniest about that scene to me is that Aaron is in the background sort of offering her own little commentary. Dwight asks Oscar and Stanley, how would one of you feel if I told you I could put you on a fast track to an executive position at this company? Aaron says, holy cow, I'd be so happy. (laughs) Dwight says, I wasn't talking to you, pale face. (laughs) Aaron says, I know, I meant I'd be happy for them. (laughs) A little bit further in the conversation when Stanley says, I'll slap you in the face with a rainbow. Aaron goes, mm. <laughs> just like she's just adding this little commentary. It, it's so funny. And then the last one is uh, when Oscar says he doesn't want to cross Kelly, no matter how good the program is, Dwight says, I can protect you from Kelly. And Aaron just sort of like snickers in the background. Like, yeah, right. You can't protect anybody from Kelly. <laughs> and he says, will you get out of here? Seriously. And she leaves. 
it's a small thing. You know, it's like she's not really saying anything. It's just the way she's reacting to everything else. That's really funny. Yeah. Last couple of funny moments for me. They're both relating to Kevin, so we could both cover one of them. Pam suggests that Donna is crossing her arms not as a negative sign, but rather to make her breasts appear bigger. And Kevin, sort of standing in the background, considers this information, and he crosses his own arms and tries it, and he turns to Annie and he says, like this? So <laughs> Kevin is attempting this, this <laughs> breast-propping-up maneuver Posture. that he is borrowing from Donna, <laughs> which I thought it was really funny, that he like tries it out. <laughs> and then the other Kevin moment was Michael complaining that he can't stop himself from kissing her. Kevin likens it to, now you know how I feel sitting next to those M&Ms all day. Andy suggests, well, why don't you just move the M&Ms? Kevin, <laughs> why don't you just shut up? <laughs> he gets emotional for a second. Why don't you just shut up? <laughs> like, I don't want to be separated from him. It's a, it's a good thing. Can't handle myself, but it's okay. <laughs> okay, going into deleted scenes, Michael has a talking head about how reading people's faces is an art form. Blind people can do it by touch. Deaf people can do it by sight. A hearing incited person like him can do it by sight. <laughs> it's like he, he's trying to go somewhere else by that, with that. And it's like, well, uh, I guess it's the same as the deaf person. We can see it too. <laughs> Creed is worried about seeing Donna again after happy hour. He apparently dined and dashed. He said, usually they don't follow you to your place of work. Happens sometimes. Part of the game. <laughs> and then we see later that Creed uh, hid under his desk all day long while Jonna was at the office <laughs> as to not get caught. Yeah, he's, he, he comes out and says, man, I, was I just thought that bartender would never leave. And he just like <laughs> put, picks up his glasses and returns to work at the end of the day. And Meredith just sort of looks on like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long day. Jim is telling Donna about a printer in the conference room. This is after Pam has left. So it's him and Michael and Donna. She says, you know... I don't know if I want to invest that much in a printer because the busboys usually steal our printers every couple of months. Michael puts on a bad English accent that seems to sort of be modeled after Austin Powers. And she totally like flirts about it and says, I thought you were from England just then. It's like, <laughs> and she like Valley girl laughs while Jim just sort of stares into the camera. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like she's putting on a heavy flirt. Like, if this was in the episode itself, there really wouldn't be any question as to what she was trying to do, which is trying to get a discount. Right. Michael compares himself to Donna. He says, we are very <laughs> similar. We are tough from the streets. No. Never took a handout. Had to pull ourselves up from the bootstraps. I constantly see myself in her. I said, oops, <laughs> Freudian slip. And he kind of realizes what he said as well. <laughs> Although you misspoke, Katie, they constantly mm. pull themselves up by the boob straps. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Boob straps. <laughs> boob straps. Boob straps. Yes. A very important part that I missed. From the boob straps. That's the you best know, part. Those famous boob straps. <laughs> uh, the office is spying on Michael with Donna in the conference room. Angela says, you know, Donna's way out of Michael's league. It's like if I tried to go after Sean Hannity. So there's what turns on Angela. Pam says Donna laughed. She thinks it's a good sign. Phyllis says, maybe Michael just told a funny joke. Pam says, you know, I still think that's a good sign. Meredith says, he's been in there with her for 20 minutes and hasn't even gotten to third base. And Andy is very confused by third base <laughs> because he always thought the bases metaphor was in reference to orchestra chairs. 
and a third bass would result in a very bass-heavy orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah, it would. <laughs> it would, but you are so very clearly removed from what the base metaphor is. B a s e, not b a s s. Dwight is trying to dissuade Gabe from accepting Kelly into the program. He says, "I bet you can't name one single Indian CEO." Gabe does. Dwight says, "Oh well, I bet you can't name a female Indian CEO." He does. Well, I bet you can't name a Indian female CEO of a paper company. He does. <laughs> oh, well, I, I bet you can't name a second one or a third one. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just, Gabe knows his Indian CEOs and um, Dwight didn't think that there were any. So. Yeah, props to Gabe for being so plugged into the, the corporate world that he yeah. is aware of all these people. No kidding. Dwight has another talking head about how Jim and Pam are getting extra clients from Michael and Daryl moved from the warehouse to his own office overnight. And he says, you know, I'm not a competitive person by nature, but nurture has made me into quite the snake. (laughs) So there's the nature versus nurture debate. This is an interesting one given our current world that we live in. Michael uh, has a talking head where he debates Donna's words versus her vibe. Her words are saying no, but her vibe is saying yes. And he thinks it's unfortunate that, that we live in a society where we undervalue the vibe and simply go on what the person says. And I will leave that yeah. there. <laughs> this, that fits right into me too. And we haven't said this on the show, but you know, Steve Carell had that interview a couple weeks ago where he said, you know, the office wouldn't work if they tried to do it now. And yeah. I think it's, I mean, this is a deleted scene to be fair, but it's lines like yeah. that, that's like, yeah, I see. I see your point, Steve. I understand yeah. where you're where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, so many times we've we've seen jokes played on the show here that just and I mean, in the context of the show and at the time of the show, they were very very funny and they're still yeah, funny. Yeah, because you know the show and you know the intent of the show, and mm-hmm. it's not an aggressive show. But I don't think it would have played over as well as it did then. No. Oscar and Stanley have a talking head where they're laughing about, you know, hey, we're not scared of Kelly. We're just, we respect her. And we're, we're that, that's what's keeping us from challenging her. And then the camera lingers, as it always does in these interviews. And we see their faces fall and they do look scared. Like, I hope I said the right thing. I don't want to cross Kelly. <laughs> it's just that split second where they, they let their guard down while the camera's still rolling. Also with Kelly, she's worried about wearing a sweatshirt with Yale's, quote, ugly mascot of a bulldog on it. Ryan tells her it's okay. No one wears their college clothing anyway. Andy proves them wrong, of course, under his jacket uh, and under his sweater and under his button up. He's wearing a Cornell t-shirt and he's wearing Cornell socks and Cornell underwear, which lucky us, we get to see. (laughs) And he gives himself a front wedgie while he shows them. Uh, hey, Chad, did you know that Andy went to Cornell? Oh, you stole what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. I did yeah. not know that Andy Crazy. went to such a school. Uh, Ivy League, I hear. <laughs> On the subject of Andy, he has a talking head, which is kind of sad, actually. He says, you know, how do I know if a girl is interested? I usually just assume that she's not. <laughs> poor, poor guy. <laughs> And by the way, there is no Andy slash Aaron interaction this episode following Secretary's Day when they seemingly split at the end. So 
we don't know what's come of that so far, but they don't interact at all. There's no Aaron, Andy, back and forth whatsoever. I don't even know if they share their screen at the same time. So it's a good point. Last one. Michael has a talking head where he says, you know, I felt like an idiot because I didn't realize that I was busy being used by Donna. But most of the people in the office have been in the same position as me. So if I'm an idiot, then they're all idiots too. But I hired them, so I'm an idiot. But I'm not. Just ask any of them. So it's like all the circular reasoning that doesn't really make any sense. So if I'm an idiot, that means they're an idiot. But I hired them, so that means I'm an idiot. But if you ask them, I'm not an idiot. Sure. All of that made sense, Michael. Thank you. (laughs) You're definitely not not an idiot. All right, so our discussion topic this episode. Okay, I hinted at this earlier. Uh, Why do you think Donna didn't give in to her supposed attraction to Michael in the office and waited until they were in the parking lot together instead? Do you think it was professionalism? Do you think it was denial at being attracted to such a person as Michael, which is the way Jan initially felt, if you remember? Uh, So what do you think, like, why... Did she play this game instead of just giving in and letting Michael be romantic with her the way he wanted to? I have a hard time answering that because I know what happens next. Um, Without giving Mm -hmm. too much away, I think, as I kind of said earlier, that she likes the chase. I think she likes the cat and mouse. She likes the game of flirting and will she, won't she, will he, won't he. And um, I think that's kind of what she's doing at the office today and just kind of scoping him out. More will be made clear, I think, in the next episode. Yeah, we can maybe briefly revisit this after we talk through the next one. But we do also have to remember that it was Donna who made the first move on Michael in the first place back in happy hour. She was the one who uh, pulled out his business card from the fishbowl so that he could then come in for a free lunch and they could interact with each other. Right. I don't know. I it, it is strange. There is more that's revealed in this next episode and beyond. But it it's just weird to me that she flirts for so long, but then sort of rebuffs Michael's advances only to then kiss him in the parking lot. So, like, what's the point? And I, right. I, I think you, you make a good point. Maybe it's just the game. She enjoys the game of it since she is in the nightlife and has people flirting with her all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's revisit. I think okay. that this next one will. Yeah. So the next episode is The Cover-Up. It aired May 6th, 2010. It was directed by Rain Wilson. I believe this was his first directing credit on The I Office. I think so. Yeah. Written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stavitsky. Michael and Donna have been dating each other since the kiss in the parking lot in the previous episode. And Michael, surprise, surprise, is head over heels in love with her. He calls his employees into the conference room to get ideas for things they can do together, aside from having sex. But him talking about what they've done together so far and where lead people to believe that she is possibly cheating on him. Michael enters crisis mode and hires a crack private eye to discover the truth. Meanwhile, Andy is informed by a customer of a safety issue with Sabre printers, and he sets out to prove that they are dangerous, all while being unknowingly teased along by Daryl. Michael is very publicly seeing Donna in the office. I mean, she's around and in his lap, and it's, it's, it's pretty PDA. 
But as you said, the office gets suspicious that Don is cheating on him. She wants to spend time with him, but only out of town. And and in the conference room, Ryan asks a couple of good questions. He says, does she keep her phone locked around you? Does she watch how much she drinks around you? And then it cuts to talking head where he asks a few more good questions. Does she leave the room when she takes phone calls? Does she keep perfume in her purse? Does she take a shower before sex? Does she shower after sex? Does she? And he just keeps going. Clearly, he's had some experience in this department before. But Michael, evidently, these are a few red flags because apparently she does do these things. Michael says that he and Donna are clicking on every level emotionally, sexually, and orally. And to clarify what he means by orally, thankfully, the the camera crew then cuts to them making out in the front of the office, front of the the downstairs part of the office, the, the building itself. And he says, you know, I'm not used to relationships going this well. And I just wrote, um, Holly? But I guess that was short-lived, so I guess it's fair to not maybe count it, I guess. Uh, he says, I'm actually having a hard time focusing on work. <laughs> That's new, I guess? Apparently. <laughs> but yeah, it is Kelly and Ryan who sort of instigate this idea that Michael is being cheated on because Kelly was on the receiving end of a cheating relationship, thanks to Ryan, which is why Ryan is so well-informed as to the telltale signs of a cheater. And because of this, Michael is convinced that she is cheating. He's depressed. He hires Dwight as the crack private investigator I mentioned earlier to follow her and to find the truth. And so I guess now would be a good time to just go ahead and cut to that part of the story, talking about Dwight's involvement in things. Yeah, so Dwight thinks that the only real way to find out if Donna's cheating is to sleep with her and then tell Michael that she's been cheating. So he then tries to seduce her. He follows her to the gym, pretends that he's interested in a gym membership, and um, try, just works out next to her all during her workout and does all these sexual sounds and weird thigh workouts. And he's being pretty obvious. And Donna is completely, of course, disinterested because... If we're surprised that Michael's her type, we shouldn't be surprised that Dwight is not her type. Um, right. <laughs> I said something similar in my notes. <laughs> he's, it's just not a match made in heaven for either of them. So Dwight fails to seduce her, and Dwight assumes that Donna is not cheating. It's so awkward. It's beyond awkward what he does in the gym. He's a total creep. He follows her around. He exercises next to her. He, it culminates in him saying, we both know why I'm here, to see you naked while I'm naked. And she just says, you stay away from me or I'm calling security. <laughs> and she apparently does call security. And so Dwight feels the need to fess up uh, to her about Michael sending him to find out if she was cheating. So now Donna is getting ready to come back to the office to confront Michael about all this. Now, while this is happening, Michael is... He's, he's morose. He's lacrimose. That, that's Andy word. That's, I was going to use a Michael <laughs> word, but that's Andy's. Uh, but anyways, he, he's depressed. And so he's like eating comfort foods, which we'll talk about that in the funny scenes, I'm sure. But Pam and Jim come to sort of comfort him. And they both convince him that, you know, you're taking this too far. Pam says, you torpedo every romantic relationship you've ever been in. They convince him to call Dwight to get him off security so he does call dwight unfortunately dwight does not answer the phone and that's when he goes through things and i i had to ask this quick question dwight 
looks at the phone, he sees the call, and he ignores it. Do you think he was excited at the prospect of sex with Donna? Kind of. I think he wanted to accomplish the task he set out to do. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, and I hate to use this word because it's so creepy and it's actually used in these scenarios, but it's a conquest. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to bed this woman, you know, and um, he wanted to accomplish his goal, I think. I just couldn't help but wonder, like, you know, Dwight maybe thinking, yeah, Michael's probably just chickening out and I am potentially excited at the prospect of sleeping with this woman. So I'm just going to let that phone ring and I'm not going to entertain the notion that Michael wants me to stop. Anyway, just a thought. I don't think Dwight's necessarily a huge creep in that way. Like, I don't think he's trying to seek out raping this woman obviously but it's just like a a creepy thing in general and him sort of declaring ownership over the situation right that's that's what i mean more than like i don't think he would cross any major boundaries but that given any opportunity within reason that he would try to finish what he started yeah i agree now talking about pam in all of this mix Bless her, she's still trying to help Michael to find and to protect his happiness, despite the strife that he's caused her in the still fairly recent past regarding her mother. And she defends against the idea from the get-go that Donna is cheating on him. She says, you do not need to make any more of the situation than what you see. You and your girlfriend had a good time in a nice place. That's all you need to worry about. Ignore what these people are saying. You are happy. You don't need to find a reason to take that away from yourself. Again, like she told him in the the kitchen when he was uh, depressed, you torpedo every relationship you're part of. So you need to call off this this stalking thing that you have Dwight on. And it's just, it's nice to see Pam caring so much about Michael trying to find his happiness. Between this episode and body language, she is something about, I don't know if it's about Donna necessarily, but something about this time, whether it is Donna or maybe it's just a a time with Michael that she's like, you just need to find happiness. Um, But she's definitely trying to not make him shut down any opportunity before it needs to be shut down. Well, even considering the fact that in happy hour, she brought somebody to introduce to him. Like she's been Mm -hmm. trying in recent times to get Michael with somebody to be happy. And she's just continuing that. So she's on a streak of it's really nice. I really appreciate Pam and her trying to do this for Michael, uh, even to Jim's sort of astoundment at times. Absolutely. But Donna does come back, does confront Michael, and I think his apology is actually pretty smooth. He does a pretty good job with it. He first tries to sort of shoulder it on everyone else. He's, he says, they, they, they poisoned my mind. He says, no, that's not true. I just can't believe that I get to be with you. Because you are super awesome. You run an adult arcade. You can have any man you want, but you're with me. And so I was just scared of that. Donna accepts that apology and says, you know, you just got to trust that I like you. I like you. Right. And she forgives him for this incident. And they start planning a vacation together to Vero Beach. Again, out of town. And that's in Florida, I believe. Um, So very out of town. And while Donna is in the office, Kelly notices Donna's earrings um, and quizzes her about them. Where'd you get them? Oh, someone gave them to me. 
oh, who? Oh, I, I got them at the mall. Oh, the Steamtown Mall? Oh, no, at the Southern Mall. Oh, which one? And Kelly lists, you know, eight or ten malls. Shopaholic. Because, of course, Kel- Kelly knows every mall and driving radius. Pam mentions to Jim that they were heart-shaped earrings. No one buys heart-shaped jewelry for themselves. Someone else definitely gave her those earrings, and it wasn't Michael. And Pam has reason to believe that it was recent. So Pam Facebook stalks Donna. Uh, They have a mutual friend. So she's able to see a bunch of her stuff. And Pam found some incriminating photos of her with another man. So while Donna is in Michael's office with Michael, Mm -hmm. Pam very sneakily, this is quite dangerous, shows Michael the photos. She's printed them out, puts them in a folder, and presents them as paperwork. Again, while this is risky and and kind of dangerous, she's taking another big interest in his relationship and happiness. Again, I just appreciate everything Pam is doing. It's it's sad that she was wrong in her optimism here, ignoring the, the potential signs that Donna was cheating and the hope that they were just happy. But when she does discover the truth, she's quick to inform Michael so that he doesn't continue on. Michael, it's now his turn to confront Donna, and he does do it outside. Uh, he, he tries to catch her in her lies by trying to make plans to do something fun, but he's not able to trap her the way he wants to, and he just suddenly says, you're cheating. You're cheating. She asks, how do you know? And he tells her that Pam told him, and he asks, who, who's the guy? Who, who are you cheating on me with? And she says, here's the big bomb. Michael is the other man. She is married. Michael's response, I'm the mistress? And that's it. So that, that's where we leave them at the episode. And that's what we were sort of hinting at earlier with our discussion topic was what Donna is seeking is extramarital. Maybe that's why she was slow to give in. We don't know enough about her yet to decide, is this like a reoccurring thing for you? Have you cheated before? Or was this like you being hesitant and trying to be a good wife and then giving in to this guy who you're admittedly a little bit attracted to? I still don't know what I think is the answer to your question. I I don't know if, and I've seen the whole series, of course, and I don't know still what I think of Donna as far as, as the answer to your question. I'm hoping it's that this is the first of of the affair and, and um, she's just hesitant to, to start anything because she's trying to be a good wife. But it's gotten very dirty very quickly and it's, it's Michael's put himself, well, Donna has put Michael in a very uncomfortable position. And as I hinted at earlier, like when we first started our discussing tonight, uh, Michael at the very start of Body Language says that him and Donna are in the midst of a passionate love affair. And guess what? Now they really are. They sure. They really are. Yeah. And so more on that to come. The B-plot for this episode involves Andy and some faulty, dangerous printers and some fun from Daryl. You say fun? I say unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. But It's, it's <laughs> yeah. To, to start with that, Daryl has a talking head where he says two years ago, Andy blamed the warehouse for a late shipment that he forgot to process. We got yelled at pretty bad. Almost lost my job. 
And I was mad as hell at the time, but I said, Daryl, just wait. He's a fool. There's going to be an opportunity. Just be patient. And here is that opportunity. So Andy got a call from a client about a saber printer that caught on fire. He reported it to Gabe, and Gabe didn't really seem to care a whole lot. So this, this is Daryl's plan, is just to use this instance to, I don't know, mess with Andy somehow, to lead him on. I, I, to be honest, this plot just kind of confuses me. I can't quite figure out what Daryl is trying to do. Well, and Daryl says as much. He says, you know, I don't really have a plan. I think it's mostly just to, to mess with Andy for his entertainment which he does mm-hmm. for the most part. But he, I mean, he flat out says, I don't have a plan. I'm just sort of winging this. So yeah. he just sees an opportunity. He takes it. And that's basically the gist of what Daryl is doing. But it starts off, Daryl unwittingly eggs Andy on to discovering that what his client reported and what Gabe is saying don't necessarily line up. Daryl at first uh, convinces Andy that Gabe is hiding something and then that there's a conspiracy to get rid of Andy for asking too many questions about the faulty printers. And he even uh, hires Creed for a few dollars to walk by Andy's desk doing the, the finger across the throat motion. Uh, finger on throat equals death. Isn't that Guardians of the Galaxy? I think where he says that. And it, it culminates in Andy wanting to record himself with the printer getting this to happen somehow hopefully uh as proof in case something that in case something happens to him at the hands of saber for asking too many questions he has proof that he was telling the truth and so daryl is messing with him gets him to talk in a higher pitched voice because the camera is making him sound weird and so while andy is like squeaking like beaker from the muppets <laughs> the printer actually catches fire and that's it. The, the printer catches fire. Andy was right. And Daryl sort of freaks out. He says, I don't want to prank anymore. Things get real. It's not funny. I'm just going to be good. Stay in my room. Go to church. <laughs> Try to do one nice thing per day. I do not want to prank anymore. So Daryl's learned his lesson by the end of the episode already. But uh, Andy has discovered something. Gabe did a little investigating. He said that it turns out that 12 in 400,000 printers malfunctions and catches on fire. I mean, 12 is too many still um, mm-hmm. if it's causing fires. So it seems like Gabe just doesn't care a whole lot. And he thanks Andy for reporting the incident by giving him a $5 Dunkin' Donuts gift card. And um, it's just like, I don't know. It just seems very suspicious that Gabe is just brushing this under the rug. Yeah, it's almost like a practiced ignorance. Yeah. So... More on that to come. Uh, I do want to mention that we learn Andy's middle name for, I think, the first time. It's mm. Andrew Baines Bernard. Yes. Baines. I don't know what the namesake would be. I would guess Lyndon Baines Johnson, mm. but yeah. I, I have no confirmation on that. <laughs> maybe a family name. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I also thought Lorraine Baines McFly, but I doubt <laughs> that is the inspiration, as much as I would like that it would to be. be. Incredible coming from Andy's family. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, go into funny moments. How about you give us this cold open? Okay. I like this cold open a lot. Jim and Pam are clicking things. Her mouse, his pen, her staple remover, his keyboard, etc. And Dwight pauses, gets real intense for a second, as Dwight usually does. And he says, 
he, he accuses them. You're talking about me in Morse code. And Jim's response is, yeah, that's what we're doing. In our very limited free time and with our very limited budget, we went out and got a nanny. And then we went out and took a class on a very outmoded and very unnecessary form of communication just so we could talk about you in front of you. And then they cut to a talking head but with Jim and Pam. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> it started with, uh, well, it, it came out of revenge because Dwight was tapping his foot. Pam asked him to, if he could stop. And he says, I'll stop when you lose the baby weight. So that's that. Ouch. Pam was like, okay, yeah. here we go. It's on. <laughs> and uh, I, I did do some research. Unfortunately, the actual Morse code that they use is unclear and kind of jarbled. Like, it's not like a very definite message that they're communicating uh, officially. But in TV Morse code, Dwight picks out detonator from what Jim is clicking and goes and tells Michael. Jim's like, it's a pen. There's no detonator here. Dwight says, fine. So he puts on these heavy duty noise canceling headphones and then Pam starts like aggressively staring and blinking at Dwight (laughs) and Dwight starts doing the same thing. And then Jim starts doing the same thing before just winking at the camera. (laughs) It's just like these three people (laughs) at this cluster blinking at each other. It's really funny. It's pretty great. (laughs) I love when Michael and Donna are making out at the security desk in the lobby of the business park and Hank, the security guard, (laughs) is sitting there just watching and eating cereal. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, he's got a front row seat. Yeah. Free entertainment. Why not? <laughs> when Michael calls everybody into the conference room to get ideas for dates for, for him and Donna, Stanley says, yep, yep, I'm leaving. And Michael encourages him, sure, go, go have a seat. Bye, Stanley. See you. Talk to you later. Jim and Pam stand up to try and do the same thing. And Michael won't let them. He says, yeah, well, well, Stanley doesn't help with anything. Like, don't use Stanley as your excuse. He doesn't ever help. So, of course, he can go. Maybe my favorite line from the episode. <laughs> Two minutes after suspecting that Donna was cheating, Michael has a talking head. He says, ever since I found out that Donna might be cheating on me, I have not eaten or slept. Yeah, you found out <laughs> just right now, this second. <laughs> I, I'm really impressed not. with his suffering. It's... <laughs> Very artistic, yeah. When Michael talks to Dwight about hiring a private investigator, uh, Dwight hands over his card rather than suggesting somebody else. Michael says, how much do you charge? Dwight says, $100 a day plus expenses. Michael says, I'll give you 50. Money's no object. (laughs) If money's no object, then you'd offer a lot more than his asking price, not the (laughs) half that you did offer. And Dwight accepts and... As he leaves the conversation, he decides to stealthily slide across the table out of the break room rather than just leaving like a normal person. Michael, of course, is distraught and needs comfort food. He really wants to go for ice cream. They're out of ice cream, so he settles for mayonnaise and black olives. No. (laughs) No. Uh, Which are two food items that I can't imagine pair well together. They're also very divisive foods. You either love mayo or hate mayo and you love olives or you hate olives and um yeah they're very divisive so for some people this must be an absolute nightmare i don't mind either food together sounds like a nightmare and i would never eat mayonnaise with a spoon (laughs) Uh, i i hate mayonnaise and just eating a spoonful of it just sounds like the worst (laughs) punishment worst and michael seems to agree he he thinks it's disgusting but it's the closest equivalent he has to ice cream (laughs) 
So that's what he's eating. I, I, I could eat a bowl full of olives by himself. So, but, but mayonnaise, no thank you. <laughs> when Donna comes and confronts him and they make up, he calls her bonerific to her face as a compliment. You go, Michael. Yeah, yeah you got game, Gutsy. apparently. Ugh. <laughs> There's a whole discussion on the word amok. So <laughs> Pam asks Michael not to let his imagination run amok. Michael says, run what? Amok. It means don't let your imagination run out of control. Michael says, well, why didn't you just say that, Pam? He's getting very agitated. Michael, do not let your imagination run out of control. And then later, he, it comes back. He says, it's too late to undo it. I need to know. Otherwise, this thing is going to spiral out of a muck. Close. So close. You, <laughs> you are inches. Like, I want to hold up a sign that just says, you tried. Like, you did it. You tried. Here's your, you tried trophy. <laughs> Dundee. <laughs> uh, when he discovers that Donna is cheating... Uh, he's holding the, the Facebook photo of her with this guy and he says, lowest of the low, that guy, just a notch above Toby. <laughs> so this guy is the lowest of the low, but Toby is still just a little bit lower. <laughs> a little bit lower. Sub basement. Michael is again in agony and he is groaning on the floor beside Aaron's desk. And... She kindly suggests that he might be more comfortable in his own office. He says, no, I like the attention. Is she here yet? <laughs> so he's just, um, he's just crying at her desk because people can hear him. He's and honest with it. Yeah. yeah he likes the attention. <laughs> uh, when Dwight returns, remember his fee was $100 a day plus expenses. So he hands over his expenses. Uh, Michael says, who needs eight protein bars? Dwight says, well. I don't trust egg whites. Okay. I don't know why you would trust something that is man-made rather than something that is like just completely natural. Uh, I don't know what about egg whites you don't trust, but also (laughs) he gives Michael his gym membership. So after all this, he decided I'm going to sign up for the gym. And he says, uh, you will be billed monthly. (laughs) And after he leaves, Michael just sort of whispers to the camera, I I won't be paying for that membership. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that Creed was paid by Daryl to do the finger across the throat mm-hmm. sign to Andy. So we get the explanation on that from Creed. He's got a talking head. He says, so there I am minding my own business and Darnell offers me three bucks. All I got to do is walk by Andy and go like this. And he draws his finger across his neck. Darnell's a chump. I would have done it for nothing. I've done a lot more for a lot less. <laughs> I love that Creed Darnell. Who? So <laughs> Which one's Pam? <laughs> Mary Beth. <laughs> when Pam first first makes the discovery that Donna might be cheating, she says a woman never buys heart shaped jewelry for herself. It's just not something that she does. And Jim says, "Wait, so are you? You, you like heart shaped jewelry, though, right?" And Pam says, "No." Oh, 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 except for the pendant that you bought me, which I love. Good good cover. Uh, good cover. He knows. <laughs> also, Pam, when she is going to tell Michael or show Michael the photos that she's discovered, Pam says, I'm sorry to interrupt. I actually have something very important to talk to you about, business related. Michael says, well, it can wait. Pam says, I lied. It's personal. It's about me and Jim. We're, you're the only person I can talk to. 
Michael explains to Donna, they're having problems in bed. Pam says, yes, that's it. I desperately want to talk to you about my sex life with Jim. <laughs> She's just going <laughs> off of anything that um, Michael would possibly want to talk about. And no surprise, that is actually something that Michael would want to talk about with Pam. So that's the one that catches his attention. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Revealing to the documentary crew that she has found these photos of Donna. She says, this one was taken two weeks ago. Flips to another one. This one was taken the same night. And then this one was taken this morning. And it's not Donna with another man. It's a baby sleeping. She goes, it's Cece. She's never going to do anything wrong. <laughs> just like, <laughs> here's this picture. Incriminating. Here's this incriminating picture as well. But this, isn't she cute? It's, it's a cute baby. <laughs> and she also later uses a picture of Cece on her cell phone to calm down Michael. Yeah, and it kind of works. When Michael confronts Donna about the cheating, they're in the parking lot, and he says that Pam told him. They both look up to the conference room to where several people are watching, and everyone kind of moves out of the way of the window, and Pam just completely hits the deck um, to avoid being seen. And Jim says something like, nice commitment. or Nice, nice effort. Uh, nice effort, that's what it was. Because <laughs> she just ate it. <laughs> When Andy approaches Gabe about the printers the first time, he says, what are we going to do about this? Gabe says, I don't know. Call HQ, see if they know anything. Hmm, yeah, that's what I'll do today. All right. Yeah, it's like I didn't have anything else planned. I'm just sort of here all the time, not doing anything. But this is this is what I'll do today. Cool. This Thanks. works. <laughs> so Gabe is like pulling a Michael and just doesn't have anything to do, apparently. Yeah. Oscar. This might be mildly offensive to somebody, but it's it's funny and it's in the show. Uh, Michael says he told Donna he loved her on the second date. Oscar says that seems quick, even for lesbians. <laughs> I just thought it was funny from this this gay guy throwing shade at lesbians. <laughs> it's like same team, guys. Okay. <laughs> and then last one for me, uh, Dwight apparently. Did enjoy his time at the gym. He's returned for a cycling class, and the instructor is trying to lead everybody into a cool down. But Dwight is not about that. He is trying to lead everybody himself because he thinks the trainer has done a poor job. And so he says, If they catch us, they will rape us. Go for the cliff. And three, two, one, jump. No. When he points around, You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Good jump. You're barely alive. Okay, nice cool down. Check your pulse rate. <laughs> like He's trying to lead the cycling class himself. But uh, I always think of the, if they catch us, they will rape us. <laughs> if that's not motivation, I don't know what is. <laughs> okay, what about deleted scenes? There is a brief extension of the cold open. Michael asked if Jim was clicking a detonator. He started coughing in Morse code. <laughs> Dwight realizes that he coughed the word not. So he said that is not not true. <laughs> that he does not have a detonator. Andy approaches Kelly in the annex after talking with Gabe about the printers. He says, has anybody complained to you about the printers? And she says, yeah, everybody hates them. He says, okay, well, have there been complaints about them blowing up, maybe, for example? She says, you know, I don't remember. 
says, can you can you check your records or your files? He gestures towards the big filing cabinet that is right next to her desk. The multiple filing cabinets that are right next to her desk. And she says, oh, no, those are empty. He says, how do you even do your job? <laughs> and walks off. Like, <laughs> thanks for being no help. <laughs> she just kind of is completely unfazed. She just looks away. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. She, she, it, what's funny is that she's filing her nails at the moment. <laughs> she does some filing. Yeah. Dwight has a talking head about seducing Donna. And this makes me laugh as much as it makes me just uh, groan. Um, Dwight says, if I succeed, then she's a cheater. If I fail, then she's a lesbian. Only two options. Because who would possibly deny a guy if she's straight? She's got to be a lesbian. Yeah, Dwight specifically. I mean, women crawling all over just to get a... Get a oh my goodness! Wait in line. There's no other choice. <laughs> and we also see extended interactions with him and Donna in the gym. We see him assert himself into entering the gym with her. Ask if you do you like the gym? He says, you know, I'm between gyms right now. She says, you know, it's fine. It's mostly just close to me, so it's convenient. He says, well, it's obviously working. And you think that's like this weird, creepy compliment? And she thinks it's a weird, creepy compliment about her body. And he's then after his pause. He says, there's lots of buff guys walking out. (laughs) So I mean, it's either a good cover or that's what his intent was. And he just paused poorly. But then in the gym itself, she's on the treadmill. She's got her earphones in. So she clearly does not want to be bothered. Just like everybody at the gym does not want to be bothered. Like take notes, everybody. Don't bother people at the gym. Just don't talk to people. Yeah. Especially when they have earphones in. Right. And. He's holding weights and jogging in place beside her in between her machine and another machine. And he says, you know, if you were running from something, you'd never run in the path of the treadmill. You would be zigging and you'd be zagging back and forth. He says, here, I'll show you. And so he climbs on the treadmill behind her and starts like chasing her on the treadmill. And she just like jumps off. Nope, you can have it. It's cool. And that's it. Um, Andy writes Aaron a letter filled with everything he's ever wanted to say to her, but hasn't had the courage to, um, in light of his impending doom with Gabe, um, and maybe his life, given Creed's gesture. Um, he says, but I cannot emphasize enough. If nothing happens to me, do not read the letter. Maybe just tell her how you feel, dude. We've been through this. Yeah, Andy clearly has a problem with being honest with his feelings. Yeah. Which, I, after his experience with Angela, I can kind of get it. But it's yeah, like... Yeah, that makes sense. Daryl has scared Just, him silly. Yeah. Over a prank. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, a scene that, for some reason, I thought was in the episode because I've just seen it floating around the internet all the time. And it's not. It's in the deleted scenes. Uh, after Donna leaves Michael's office, they've planned the Vero Beach trip. He says, hate to see you leave, but love to watch you go because of your butt. So I, for some reason, I just had it in my memory that that was in the episode, but it's not. It's here in the deleted scenes. Mm. And so he goes to Pam and like stands uncomfortably close to her, does this whole I told you so thing, saying, you know, I didn't torpedo my relationship. Uh, she was understanding. We're going on a trip together, blah, blah, blah. And after he goes back into his office, Pam says, how did I get that one wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I think the last one mm-hmm. for me is Michael admits to Donna that he 
lied to her last night. He's, of course, trying to clear his his conscience and, and try to get her to maybe do the same. Because he had, at this point, he knows about the cheating. So he admits that he lied to her. He said his favorite movie was, uh, was Frost Nixon, but it's actually Ants. He wondered aloud if there's anything that she'd like to get off her chest. She says, you know, there actually is. Um, when we played Battleship, when you got up to get more flan, I peeked. He keeps saying, you're so bad. You're a cheater. You're a cheater. You're evil. <laughs> of course, that's a little bit on the nose because he's so mad at her for, uh, for cheating. <laughs> he thinks cheating on him, but really, he is the other man. And then she says, also, I don't want you to walk me to my car. And she heads out and he's like, oh, okay. And then he follows her, walking her to her car. So I don't, I don't know if I get that one. I don't know if it's some sort of weird play on her being a cheater or a liar or something. Do you, know, do you have any idea? But it's like, she says, don't follow me to my car. And then he follows her to her car. Um. I remember it making sense when I was watching it and now I can't remember, but it was like, um, I think she like agreed like, yeah, I'm a liar. Don't follow me in my car. As in like, she wanted him to. Um, but I'm trying to remember if she actually did agree to like, yeah, I'm a liar. Cause if she did, then that would make sense. But I can't remember right now. I have to go mm-hmm. rewatch it. No big deal. What about our discussion topic for this episode before we wrap things up? I actually just changed it. Um, okay. <laughs> mid-episode. So when Pam gets kind of real with Michael and she tells him that he has a major self-destruct- self-destructive streak in him and that he torpedoes every romantic relationship he's been in, is that true? So the, the self-destructive streak, absolutely, I agree with. He does. But Jan was crazy. He needed out of that relationship for his mental health and mm-hmm. maybe his physical health. Carol, sure, he ruined that one. Helene, he ruined that one too. Holly moved. So two for two, or two for four, rather. I don't think he necessarily torpedoed Holly or Jan. I think he needed out of Jan. Yeah. Yeah, I agree about Jan specifically. Um, It was better for both of their mental healths to get out of that relationship. So he didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily torpedo that. Although you could say that dinner party itself was just a giant torpedo explosion. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And as far as Holly goes, he didn't torpedo it, but it was like they didn't pursue it once they got to uh, employee transfer and made the trip to Nashua. And so mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't call it torpedoing it because he didn't just like sever all ties and any potential future, et cetera, with this woman. It, it's just uh, I had the same thought when Pam said that in the episode. Well, you didn't torpedo anything with Holly, at least. Um, so I, I think she's just trying to get Michael to do something for himself. And that involves being mature. And being normal, mm-hmm. as opposed to, for example, just throwing this out there, hiring somebody to tail this woman. I wonder where you got that example. Yeah, I, I just yeah. thought yeah. of it. Oh. <laughs> I think the person who he probably torpedoed the most was probably Carol. Yeah, definitely. Like with the photoshopped picture of himself on the ski trip, like that's just nuts so yeah 
even Helene, when in the moment, remember we talked about how, yeah, it's kind of crappy the way he did it, but in the end, it was the best for him because they wanted separate things, and right. they it was sort of a rebound relationship for both of them in the first place. So I wouldn't call that torpedo necessarily, although it does have elements of torpedo in it. <laughs> uh, but for sure, Carol was full blown torpedo. Let's Photoshop myself into a frame with your ex husband, and let's propose on our like third date in front of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. He did a lot of things that just completely ruined his chances with Carol. That brings us to the end of our official 66th episode of an American workplace. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplace pod or at workplace pod on Twitter. If you'd like to rate review and or subscribe on Apple podcasts, you can find us on there and you can email feedback and ideas to workplace pod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. The best place for me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And there's also Cinescope, my other podcast. You can find it where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. If you want a discussion and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is most worth it at patreon.com slash workplacepod. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 66 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 67 for our discussion on the last two episodes of season six, The Chump and Whistleblower. Bye. Yeah, you don't want to truffle with him. Uh, <laughs> I I kind of timed that on purpose because you were taking a drink. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs>